Hey everyone, and welcome back to Ask the Experts podcast with Alka. I am so grateful. Thank you to each and every one who come back and tune in week in and week out to listen, learn, and grow. And I am so grateful, so thankful for your trusting me with your valuable time. And as my commitment to you, as my community and my audience, is to help find people who are making a difference, making an impact, and to help us live a life more meaningful and deeper lives. And my amazing guest today is Sohi Jan. She works with renowned Fortune 500 companies in the entertainment production and media space. Sophie also works with high-performance coaches, emerging leaders, and executive teams to capitalize and strategically gain opportunities for growth and change. And Sohi, welcome to the show. Thank you. Selfishly, I just love hearing my bio being read because I'm like, that's me. That's pretty cool. (laughs) It sure is. Sure is. Thank you for having me. You're welcome, Sohi. Well, start by sharing with us who is Sohi Jun. Share with us your backstory and how did your journey begin in this? Oh, my goodness. You're asking me to go way back, way back. Okay. I love that question. So, you know, today, who people see today is someone that's really about being in service of helping highly successful women and leaders go from good to great. And the way that I got there was truly through lived experience. I mean, I do nothing out of, you know, just a boxed uh, framework. I I coach from lived experience because I think that's how I can be of most value. So in that way, you know, I came to the United States at the age of six, so not even first generation and from South Korea and not knowing the language, not knowing the culture, being dropped into the middle of Phoenix, Arizona, which is completely different from South Korea. Right. And so that literally began my journey of trying to, one, assimilate, but I think in hindsight, really find who I am through that journey. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, which is when you um, go through struggles, like being somebody that is new to a whole new country and you're trying to fit in, there is that tension of like trying to find who you are within that. And so going through my journey of, you know, moving quite often when I was young, we moved practically every year, which on this side of it as an adult allows me to really quickly um, fit into any situation that it helps me be super resilient. Um, I didn't know that going through my younger years, I, I um, went through middle school and landed in San Diego for high, junior high and high school and went to uh, the University of Arizona for college where I found this profession that I love that I'm in now. And I think it's, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, okay, I want to be a good daughter for me. This is my story. I wanted to be a good daughter of immigrant parents who hustled and had three to four jobs at any given time to make the American dream come true. Mm -hmm. And part of me in college went because I wanted to fulfill 
part of their dream of coming to the US. And so there I was pursuing a medical degree and it just not feeling very authentic to me and very much a path that I didn't want to follow. And so that was my first practice Alka in saying, "Ooh, this is this is not the path for me." And it took so much courage at that time for me to say, "I want to pursue this, this field that I'm in now, which Back in the 90s, Alka was like not really known. It was just burgeoning and coming to. um, It was just emerging. It was just emerging. Yeah. So, you know, for my immigrant parents, they were like, what are you going to do? You're going to leave a, a, you know, like a profession that can give you a stable life to do what? (laughs) So you were in, you were in medical school? I was going to go to medical medical school. I was studying to do that and following that path. And quickly found that that's really not what aligned to to something that I valued and not, it didn't light me up really. And I couldn't picture myself doing something inauthentic day in and day out. So that was, I think, really this first start of me advocating for myself and, you know, really speaking up for my own truth. So I went to grad school for the PhD that I have now, which is organizational psychology and, mm-hmm. you know, soaked up everything I could that Um, was around leadership and development and facilitation and executive coaching, which is what really catapulted me into what I'm doing now, six years in with my own firm. But, you know, the story is short change because there's a lot of twists and turns. There were a lot of ups and downs. That's what what makes it interesting. That's what makes it exciting when there were so many twists and turns to, you know, one career that we thought what's going to be a stable career for us and only to realize that no we don't that's not the passion that you wanted you wanted something different and back in the 90s as you said you know coaching executive coaching high performance coaching was not even heard of it was just emerging and now it's just really taken off so yeah now it's like most people within corporations know what coaching is and know the benefit and the value of it but back then it was like only a sports terminology like a basketball coach type of thing so it's come a long way in terms of the field and you're right twists and turns are what give the texture and the color to one's life that I now super appreciate and own going through it was you know painful those are painful lessons that I think um, is what allows me to appreciate the joys in my life now. That's beautiful. And, you know, so navigating your life today. So you have a PhD in organizational psychology. I do. You know, and that, you know, that in itself is, is huge. Um, So share with us when we talk about organizational psychology, what is organizational psychology? Yeah, you know, I'll simplify it by saying it's looking at um, people in the workplace and how to really um, engage the workforce through different things like culture of a company, how you retain people, how you how the leaders do their part in engaging and retaining good people. So it's looking at a lot of different levers. It's looking at strategy. And I did work in all of those buckets where, you know, I sat down with leaders at every level to really help with strategy and align that with the people part of it. Because at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, 
Alka, you know this, like there's so much around AI and all the stuff around oh, yeah. technology now, no matter how fast and how much there is of technology, we're still doing work through people. Absolutely. So, I mean, we need people. We, yeah, we're not we going to, <laughs> we're not going to disappear anytime soon. So yeah, we do work through and with people. And so Organizational psychology is the science and art of that. It's how do we um, make sure that people are at their best in the workplace and what are all the different levers to, uh, to use and look at in service of that. And my belief is that, you know, leaders have such a, a role, obviously, in that, in the experience of people in the workplace. And, you know, having been a leader myself many times, I really did not do well the first time around. I readily admit that because I was so green and wanting to prove myself in different ways as a leader at the age of 28 or so. And then having had many opportunities after that, I'd like to think that I got better. And I think I did. <laughs> but that's, that's the process is how that is the process. Yeah. Iterate. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think that answers your question, but I kind of just meander a lot. But so he, so you've worked with, I mean, that does answer my question, but you've worked with a lot of, you know, you've worked with a Fortune 500 companies and you've worked with the best people. Mm-hmm. How do you determine what makes a great leader? Yeah. And can you, can you share with us what makes a great leader and, you know, someone who's great or are they just great once in a while? So how do you even determine mm, yeah. what is the main difference? So I, the question is a really good one. And it's interesting because I tried to embody that in my own way. And having seen it now for over 20 plus years working with leaders, I've come to really have this belief that there's a core tenet to what great leadership looks like, no matter what context, culture, and um, what's happening in the macro world. And, and, and I really think, especially with all of the pandemic and the, the societal things that were happening over the past two and a half, three, now four years, it's really um, illuminated that the tenets of great leadership are super simple. And this is what I work with my uh, coaching clients around, which is How do leaders allow their employees to be seen, valued, and heard? Those are really three principles that no matter what's happening in the outside world or within a company, really stand the test of time. Um, People are connect, want to connect. At the end of the day, um, whether it's you consider yourself an introvert, an extrovert, an ambivert, whatever that is, there's still a desire to connect. And for leaders, it no longer be a great leader is not no longer about how you do the work necessarily. It's really how you leverage the people on your team to do their best work. Do the best work, yeah. Yeah, and great leaders are able to make their employees and teams feel valued, seen, and heard. And from those three things, there's a lot of different ways that leaders can do that and nuance and different skills. How they do that is up to them and their uniqueness. Mm -hmm. Uh, But those are the three tenets that I think really, to answer your question, make great leaders, no matter what company or industry you're in. Mm -hmm. Are you born a leader? I mean, is anyone born a leader? Or are you mold into the leader that you know 
you are meant to be. Yeah. Um, yes. And <laughs> yes, yes, and, and. No. yes and. I, I live in a world of yes. <laughs> and, and that to answer that question. Yes. I think there are some people that are naturally, you know, have some of the skill sets that make it, it easier to leverage those skills. And then I think definitely there are those like myself, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm a born leader. I think I worked really hard at it. Mm-hmm. And I think I was very intentional about cultivating, curating skills that lend itself to leadership. Look, I mean, when I say I came to the US and who I was then is different to who I am now. It's, I mean, I, Alka, I was terrified of speaking, of saying anything, of being called on in the school system. And then to be in a field where I have to be forward facing and outward and share my point of view and coach people and do all of that is a testament that people can use different skill sets if they really put the intention and the energy into it, right? So this is something you and I talked about earlier on, which is what is the definition of success? And that is, however you define success, whatever you want to achieve, it's doing the micro actions over time consistently. Consistently. Consistent is the key. Yes. Yes. So if you want, if you're, if you feel that you're not born a natural leader and you want to be one, Mm -hmm. then do those things consistently over time. Um, and that will get you from good to great or from being an average leader to a good leader, whatever stage we're in. Exactly. Now I want to talk about drift and the drifting portion. It's going to come in when you talked about how you were going into medical school, Mm -hmm. you found out earlier on that was not your passion that was not the path but all of us so he we go through a phase whether it's you know parental our parents society that expects so much from us that you mm-hmm. need to be a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer and that is the expectation so we are drifting we go through because people expect to do of us to do uh to be in a certain career when that's not what we want so when you go through a drift and how does one begin to even access their vision when they don't even have a clarity they're not crystal clear of what it is that they want yeah yeah how can one begin to go and find out what that is Oh gosh. And I love that you're using the word drift because that I think that more people need to drift (laughs) (laughs) to find out, (laughs) to find out that the true essence. Let's start there. Let me just say, I think more people (laughs) should be drifting. Um, I, you know, my guidance around that is being open. And that's a simple way of saying, how can we stay curious to ourselves first, because that is the foundation of creating greater awareness around what energizes you, what things light you up, what things like make you lose time when you're doing the whatever it is. Those are all pieces and parts of, you know, how people when they drift can find and start to get curious about, oh, wow, I noticed that when I am in this situation or doing this thing it really gives me joy. Now, let me be clear. The thing that gives you joy, I mean, it doesn't, it's not one of those things that it, for me too, without challenges, there are challenges in everything. It's just a matter of perspective in is the challenge 
worth the joy, worth worth cultivating more joy around, right? Exactly. It's your perspective at the end of the day. It is your perspective. How, how you choose. Yeah. Do you choose it to be a challenge or, you know, just take it face on and deal yeah. with that task? Right. For me in my career, you know, I knew I wanted to be in this career, but it wasn't always joyful. There were parts that were completely excruciating to me and not fun. And still, I love it. Um, and so I think to answer your question, get curious is what I tell my clients is start to notice things and follow the little breadcrumbs that you're like, oh, that's fun. How can I infuse more of that into my life? And, and what part does that play into my drift? And only you as an adult can answer that for yourself. And I think that that's what I teach a lot of people or coach them around, especially high achieving women who have a lot of undoing they need to do around expectations and what people want from them and to get curious for themselves and provide themselves the answer. Because oftentimes, I don't know if you recognize this, Alka, for me, I I realized that a lot of women look to others for the answers. So-and-so they must know. Oh, I should ask so-and-so because they know. And so it's about what do we know on the inside and how mm-hmm. can we get that meaning? It comes from within. It definitely does come from within because you are the only one who is going through that experience. And so only you can dwell right into it. I know I, I've experienced this and I still experience it. And when I do experience, I have to just ask myself because there's no one beside me or around me to answer that question. Only I can. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's one of those things that took me a while to learn as well. And I think a lot of people have a journey around learning to trust themselves and what their inner compass is telling them Um, certainly was a journey for me through the different challenges and experiences of my life to be like, wait, I think I know the answer to that. Let me just check in with myself. And certainly now as I'm nearing, you know, this side of my career and having been in it in my career over 20 plus years, it's getting easier for sure. <laughs> That's so good. So have you seen, are you seeing the difference between like when you started 20 plus years ago in high performance coaching in the industry where you are in right now, you know, you go into, you know, fortune 500 companies. Have you seen the difference between when you first started to how dramatically things are changing oh. in the industry every single day? Oh, yes. And, yes, how, yes. and how do you implement the change? You talked about the change. You talked about growth and change. So in which areas do you implement the change and what do you focus on? Okay. So let me, there's a, that's a lot of questions, Alka. <laughs> Two-pound question. <laughs> yes. So um, I am seeing, I have seen and gone through also with it, a lot of change in the coaching industry itself. And I would say, you know, it goes back to what you and I were talking about in the beginning, which is people were like, what you do, what, what is this field? Even to like in, when I was working within companies, whether that was an engineering company or finance or entertainment, all the different experiences that I've had in my life there was a sense of like, wait, what is this? I think it could be pretty cool. So like, as the years went on, started, people started to get curious about what is coaching? What, what's the potential of this? However, when I went to some other companies, there was this um, notion that coaching was for the employee that was bad. It was like a 
you need fixing, you need help because you're not right. making it. Mm-hmm. And so we, we being the team that I was a part of in different companies worked really hard to turn that narrative around to say, look, coaching is a gift and it should be used and taken as such. So um, really helping people understand that this is a development opportunity for you to really look at your mindset and the blockers that are holding you back. So it's evolved from like not knowing to getting curious about it, to really changing the narrative around coaching to now almost everyone wanting and desiring the opportunity to work with a coach. Right. So in my, the span of like over 20 years, I've seen it evolve in such a way. Now we're using technology to help with coaching. Now we're using um, on the spot coaching. Now there's team coaching. There's all these different ways to leverage coaching. So my um, advice to anyone that really is curious about it, whether they want to go into it or they want to leverage and use a coach is to, um, you know, ask the questions, find people that you can talk to because it is such a valuable field and tool. Exactly. Ask questions. And the last part that you mentioned is to be curious. And curiosity, we all need to have curiosity. I mean, as you know, way back when we were kids, we were curious. And as we get into adulthood, some of us will lose that curiosity. We lose that fun. We lose that joy. Yeah, I have three kids. So I... It helps me to stay and have a curious mindset. I will give my kids all the credit for that. And it's true, Alka. I think that what I see as adults is we are trained literally through money recognition, through rewards and recognition in different ways to be experts, right? If you know the answer, if you're an expert in the field or whatever, that that's the, what you are given accolades for. And so it's almost like, taken out of us through the rewards and of the years and the experiences that we have, you have to be an expert. And so this mindset of curiosity is so important to grow, to challenge yourself, to understand the world in different ways that help you connect the dots that you haven't seen before. And I think that's the value that I bring as a coach, which is to help people embrace that, understand what that is and the role it has in their life for the stage they're in. So I think that the second part of the question that you asked is like um, the different challenges that present itself in coaching. And I would say, you know, it runs anywhere from um, an executive saying, hey, look, I I need to understand how to really leverage my team better. I want to be a better leader generically starting there to somebody saying, you know, I have a lot of women that I coach that say, look, I need, I need to understand my blockers around the inner critic, around my worth, around my authentic leadership. How do I step into that? So that's a lot of the the presenting problems that come to me through clients. um, And we start to unpack it and get curious. Exactly. So the growth that needs to come from within, uh, that, that is so beautiful because, you know, I absolutely do agree that, you know, when we're growing and doesn't matter what industry we are in, we need to have that growth consistently. So what is the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset? Oh gosh. Yeah. Carol Dweck did such groundbreaking research on that. And, and in essence, how I explain it is that a fixed mindset is this belief that it's a black and white binary. I'm good at it or I suck at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should give up anyway, because I'm never going to learn that type of inner talk that happens. Just quit. Yeah. It's associated with a fixed mindset. Uh, 
I'm no good at that. I don't know how to play that game. I'm not going to learn. Um, and a growth mindset is one in which you embrace like, all right, this is my first time. I'm going to give myself grace. I bet the second time I'll get better. And then the third time it'll get easier. Um, I'm willing to be a, a failure at it. And I'm using that in quotes, but I'm willing to, you know, not know, and I'm going to see if I can get better at whatever the thing is. So that embraces, or that is the epitome of a growth mindset where you are willing to be a beginner and learn from the situation and a fixed mindset to put it simply is one in which you're like, meh, I don't know it. I'm not going to try. Exactly. You're just going to quit right there. You you don't even want to take a plunge and knowing if you are going to be successful, you just quit there right on the spot. Yeah. And you know, what's so funny. I mean, I I am such a believer in this mindset. I practice it every day, similar to what I was telling you, Alka, that I coach from lived experience and I definitely try to embrace and practice what I coach. So I had this recent experience with my son, he's 13. And in the past six months, he has love of the game of chess. Like he has talk about embracing a mindset of um, growth mindset from not knowing to like being a beginner to really like loving and being better at it. That's amazing. And he would, yeah. And he would ask me all the time, I'll go, um, mom, can you play with me? Do you want to play with me? And I would say, no, no, no. And then I stopped myself and I got curious, honestly. And right. I was like, why do I, why am I saying no to him? It's a great way for us to bond. What, what's the blocker for me? And then I realized I had a fixed mindset around it. I don't know chess. It's going to be too hard to learn. You know, so recognizing that I was like, you know, I want this to be such a connective thing from my son and I, I'm willing to be a beginner and really go through the challenge of learning something new that felt really big and difficult for me. My mind doesn't like work in the chess way, you know, so <laughs> I was like, okay, try, yeah. Yeah. So I, I jumped into it and I actually explained to him, I was like, look, I was having a fixed mindset around it and I'm going to embrace this journey with you. So yes, let's play. Can you teach me, help me get better? That is so good. And you know what? I love that because I was in that um, space once upon a time and I, you know, I had a fixed mindset around, for example, if someone said to me, Alka, you need to do uh, meditation. You should practice meditation. Oh no, I was so reactive. Oh no, that's not me. Uh, you know, sitting oh, down, you know, I I don't want to do it. And yeah. I would, I would just give up. I would just quit. And yeah. that was it because I was reactive. I was not proactive to even learn. Okay, just try it. Just give it a try. I shot myself in the foot and I said, okay, no, that's it. And I just gave up. And the same person, fast forward today. I love meditation. I know. I do too. Right? I love meditation. But it's the same yeah. person. But if we give up on the spot, how do we know if our brain, our mind, and that modality that we have chosen to to try, we are going to love it. Yeah. I, I, meditation is such a big part of my life. I love that you share that story. And I think, right. you know, even if we, for the most part, walk around with a uh, growth mindset, there will be areas that present itself as fixed mindset. So I think it starts with like knowing and it goes again back to the curiosity Um, and I, I advocate for don't make up, but don't make up your mind until you've tried it at least once. 
At least try it, yes. Yeah. At least and try then, it. And then you can speak from experience and be like, meh, not for me. But but cutting yourself off from the experience, I think, is really limiting, limiting, limiting yourself. Absolutely limiting. So the high performance coaching, like you coach mainly women or men and women? Yes. So, yes. you know, because I am a high, highly successful, highly ambitious woman, I tend to have more of the same like women clients than men, but I do coach both um, leaders in that space. And yeah, it's been such a fun ride. And uh, I, I love being in service in that way. And I see the I see the passion uh, when when you talk about the high performance, the coaching, when you coach clients and the Fortune yeah. 500 companies that you have been so. Uh, it's been amazing for you to really go in and work with these companies. What is the benefit? Share with us what is the benefit of high high performance coaching. There's so many. One, it coaching itself is a way to have a neutral person mm-hmm. really hold up a mirror to help you see what the blockers and challenges are that perhaps maybe you had a sense about, maybe you didn't know, maybe you do know, and you're like, fully help me with this. So it's that at the foundation. And what it does is it gives you really actionable tools. And that for me, I think is the value that I bring is that I make it very practical and I make it very easily accessible in terms of the behaviors that you need to do and exemplify and show up as to go to be the best person that you can be, the best leader that you can be. Um, and I think that's the value of a really uh, good coach in anybody that you partner with is looking for somebody that you, one, trust, and two, that you know that they'll give you what you need or sometimes like push you in the ways that you need to be pushed. Exactly. They, they know your goals. They know where you want to go to and then and you can help them. So that that is the best coach. They know your goals and yeah. how you can strive to get them there. Yeah, absolutely. They are the ones that really keep that in mind. Like for my clients, I understand what their goals are. Let me then like show you the patterns, the themes, the, the and the strategies to really help you get there in an amplified way. How can women become the best versions of themselves? One, give themselves permission to get the help they need. I think, you know, I am generalizing to a sense, but it does happen more in women than men in Uh terms of putting themselves first to say, look, I really, it's time. It's really time to help myself be the best version I can be as a leader, as a worker, as a a woman, as a whatever that is, fill in the blank. Um, But we take way too long. That's, that's what what I want to share is that we linger on it too long. We just kind of make excuses for ourselves. I don't know, not now too busy, too, whatever, too much, too expensive. And I really don't see all of those barriers in, in men. It's like, if they decide they want the coaching, they're going to go for the coaching. They're going to go for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we just take too long to get to the thing that we know we need. And that is, you know, I can truly relate to that because, you know, we are, we take time to make decisions. Oh, you know, we're taking care of the family or the family is more important, but Mm -hmm. the family is going to be there, but who is not going to be there? If you don't take care of yourself, your mind, 
physical health, well-being. If we don't take care of ourselves, how are we going to be able to take care of the family? Yeah. yeah. And so that's what we need to play. And I love that. And it's a very um, tricky one to undo because there is um, so much good that comes from that lens of giving to others. And then I would say, you know, is it at the detriment of you Like, are we doing it out of resentment, out of burnout, out of, you know, wanting to please people out of wanting to like, we don't hold our boundaries, all of these things that we have to undo messaging around, Mm -hmm. um, to get, get ourselves the resources and the things that we need to show up for the people in our lives. That's how I look at it. Honestly, when we talk about organizations, Sophie, Mm -hmm. how do you create synergy in an organization is it is that difficult to do yeah and how do leaders even begin to create synergy so that the employees thrive in the workplace yeah I think there are a lot of different levers right that's what I know to be true so you know for example if a leader comes to me and says I really want my team to be high functioning Mm -hmm. then you know for me it's as the um the, the expert to come and say, okay, well, let's talk more about that. What is what does high functioning look like for you and your team? Because sometimes there can be nuances and specifics to the team, right? And the leader. And then I typically love to do um, one-on-one interviews and focus groups so that I can get a pulse on, okay, what's the current, right. current experience of everybody on this team? And then how do we map to what the leader wants as a function, high functioning team to where the team is now? Now, creating that kind of roadmap from where they are now to where they want to be. That's where I think is the magic and so much creativity in my work, because yes, there's frameworks and there's theories in, in, in the degree that I got, but it's being able to put all of the interventions and different pieces together of an experience that will allow them to go from where they are now to eventually a really high functioning synergistic team. So that's the work. I mean, gosh, it's so much fun. Are you kidding me? I, I literally, I'm just, I, I am thrilled and honored. Every Cause you're day. creative. You've got the creativity, the juices that just flow out and you're excited to share that with the, with the companies that you go into. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the proof is when they're like, wow, that was really a powerful experience and it does feel more connective and we are communicating better and we are collaborating better. And then, you know, for me as experts to say, well, here's how you keep the momentum going and to work with the leader to help them do that. How do, how do companies thrive? You know, as you as you go on and you're doing more research, now you got your research in organizational psychology and learning about people. I think people is a fundamental. We we talked about this earlier on. People is a fundamental. You know, we need people as much as that we have AI, artificial intelligence. But if we do away with people, what is left? Because people are the ones that make the organization. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, for as fast as AI is um, evolving and growing, Mm. people are way more creative and nuanced and connective than technology is able to keep up. We want to connect with people. Yes. We human beings. We want to connect. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that um, to answer your question and tell me again, like, tell me the question again. I want to make sure that I answer that. How does organization, how do they really implement 
the mm. change and how can they thrive? How can organizations thrive in this well, day and age? Yeah. I mean, look, I think first and foremost, it's really being able to understand what engages employees. And let me take a practical example. It's this um, issue of hybrid or remote or in-person workforce that a lot of companies are trying to put um, guidelines around. And I think that for, you know, even in my own experience, and I certainly know that women want this, uh, probably 99% of them want this more than anything, because we are doing so much at home and at work, is to be able to offer hybrid options. And, you know, to keep that available so that people can thrive in their home and in their work and have options in which they have agency over mm-hmm. to, a, to, to an extent possible. And then that is one piece of helping employees thrive, which helps companies thrive. There is a direct correlation. If your employees are satisfied and engaged, then the company thrives, right? And so it's leaders having a key role in that and being able to um, put policies and practices in place that people are asking for. Um, that's one solid example. And then it's the other stuff. It's like the leader directly impacting their team through, again, the pillars of how do they make them feel seen, heard, and valued? Do they recognize their employees? Do they give them feedback? Do they give them yeah. opportunities to develop? Yeah. And do they give them um, uh, really good, like connective experiences as a team? These are all ways that they can help Employees thrive, which help companies thrive. I love that. And uh, so it starts with a leader. Essentially, it starts with a leader, yes. a good leader, right? It starts with a leader who really can implement and lift the, the team members around. So, Sophie, as a leader who trains leaders, do you find the vision that you have held, that you hold, Um, Did you have fear or what was the vision behind before you started training leaders? Um, In terms of my career choice or the decision? In terms of career choice, yes. Yeah. I mean, I I think that I knew, I think I shared with you, like I knew that I wanted to go into the organizational psychology field. It was something really exciting about it. And so having, you know, and going through grad school and going into the corporations, I quickly learned just by observing and the experiences Uh that the leaders are the ones that make or break culture and synergy and all the things that we just talked about. So I, I wanted to make the biggest impact and the widest and most direct, and it's in working with leaders. And so that was really what made me hone in on leadership development and coaching leaders, because most of us report to somebody if they work in a company, unless they're at the very top. And and then they at least also have board of directors and all the things, but, but yeah, it is this um, understanding that leaders can be the culture maker or breaker for their team. And so that's really what made me want to work specifically with that group. And having right. been one, it's tough. I, I understand. I know what it's like. <laughs> it is tough. It is tough. It's tough to um, be a woman. It's tough to be a leader. But, uh, you know, it's the role that we take and we just have to fly with it. Yeah. So, Sophie, what do you do on a daily basis to improve as you are improving leaders and leadership teams? What do you do on a daily basis? 
Oh, I love that question. So I've honed this through the years, but there are um, three, three non-negotiables. Like I will not, uh, this is definitely something that is embedded into my daily um, routine, which is I meditate daily in the morning Mm -hmm. and I also get a workout in now. Now the thing that flexes is it might not always be in the morning. It could be midday or in the afternoon, but I do make sure I move my body because that helps me tap into processing. Um, it helps me feel more, um, centered and strong. And so those are two things. The third thing is I absolutely get coached myself. So not every day, but I have people that help amplify me and that I can learn and grow from. And that's so key to me. Um, as a coach, if I'm helping others learn and grow and develop, um, I love what you said up front. You, you, this podcast about listening, learning, and growing, right? It's kind of similar to coaching. Then I have to do the work myself. So, you know, in the past, I've done years of therapy to make sure that I am the best version of me. Um, what it looks like today is every Monday, I get coached from a super phenomenal coach myself to continuously develop my skill set because I think. That if I'm not doing the work myself and growing, then I'm not really adding that much value to my clients. So I make sure that I walk the talk. <laughs> right. Well, you, you have to. You got to. You got to preach. You got to practice what you. What you, you know. You got to preach what you practice. So I mean, I, and I absolutely do. And not everyone does. That's the thing. Not, not everyone, everyone does. does. But yes. yeah. I absolutely do because um, I know that that's the way that I want to serve the world. Mm-hmm, exactly. So my final question is how do how can women have a work life balance? You know, we always talk about work life balance. And is there such a thing as a work life balance and if so, how can women, the leaders that you train, how can they have a work life balance? Oh my god, Alka, this is like a whole question for another podcast. I okay, you can come back on. I'd love to have you come back on. Okay, so the first thing I'll say is I'm allergic to the word balance. Okay. Allergic to the word balance. It does not exist. And I know that because I'm one that tried to chase balance and I see women doing that to no end. Oh, so do you end, think it can't be achieved? The balance the end, can't be achieved? I think the end is burnout. I think you can achieve it for a moment in time. And the out on the out on the uh, flip side of that is burnout. Okay. It's um, driven by perfectionism. It's driven by a need to like do it all for everyone at the expense of the person, the woman. And I think what I, this is part of the undoing is I really anchor women around the concept of integration. And this was something that I brought about in my first book. It's called Mommy Tracked, how to take authentic risks and find success on your terms. So My first book was all about this around identify your values, know the season of life you're in, and then prioritize those things. Let go of trying to do everything in service of balance, because that leads to burnout. I've seen it in myself and others. Um, And when you try to integrate your priorities, those are the things that become the most important things that then will make up your daily schedule. So I know I just went from a big rock to like um, daily stuff, but it starts from knowing your values. If your values are family, creativity, and, you know, travel or whatever those two or three end up being, then it helps you make decisions aligned to that, which allow you to be authentic and integrated. 
And if we don't know the values, then we say yes to things that like crowd our right. accounts. We don't have boundaries. Real. We don't create boundaries. And we just say yes to everything. Say yes to everything. And then that, you know, just does nobody good. Mm-hmm. So um, to answer your question, is it achievable? A point in time, maybe. Um, and it's not sustainable if that's true. It's really also not satisfying because then, you know, what are you doing everything for? Right. And to keep everything up takes a lot of energy. And we women do so much anyway. We, we so are. Much. We do. Doing mm-hmm. So much. So the more integrated life you can lead, which is based on values, and then that informs your priorities. That's what I advise women to do. And I love that because I used to be doing everything, you know, just like you said, you know, do everything in that one day. But now I start to realize and really look at myself and say to myself, well, no, I it, it can wait for tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. And so now I just go with the flow because yeah. that is what's needed. And if we go with the flow as women, like I said, we do everything. And just go with that flow so that our mind, you know, becomes more easier for us to do the next next task Yeah, yeah. rather than getting to a burnout. Right. It, yeah. And, and again, there I have on my website, too, a values worksheet. So if people have never really looked at their values or are curious about what it might be at this point in their life, they should do go to my website and you know they can f- download for free that worksheet that helps them identify values because the then the again the priorities start to become clear and it helps you make decisions that you don't just say yes to everything too exactly well, well, well you know we need to stick to our values and our beliefs and create boundaries and i think that's the biggest thing that as women in general people don't have boundaries and they say yes to everything just because they want to say yes to everything, but implementing those boundaries and that is where values come in. So I absolutely agree with that. We need to implement more of that. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so so here, my final question to you is of everything that you have accomplished, and I'm sure there's so much more you are still accomplishing, but if today all your files were deleted, all your work is gone, yeah. what are three things? And I always ask my guest these three questions. Yeah. What are three things you want people to learn? Hmm. Three things I want people to learn. Mm-hmm. One, I want people to learn that it is a, um, a journey right? So there is, I think this desire that people want to get it done, get it done right now, get it perfect. Mm -hmm. And the more that we can embrace that it will take time to be good at things or, you know, achieve things again, consistently over time, it's a journey. And the second thing I want people to learn is that the more that we can infuse lightness and joy, the more that we will enjoy the journey. Right. I think there we, um, not to say that things should not be taken seriously. But if we hold and embody an energy of lightness and um, gravitate to the work that gives us joy, I think that that will serve the world better. And then um, I think the third thing is that, um, gosh, these are such good questions. 
that people should definitely work with a coach or an expert of some kind and just embrace that there are people out there to help you. And that the premise is people want to help, you know, if you allow them. So let that be, let that be one that you embrace. Absolutely. So these are beautiful. I, you know, this has been such an enlightening conversation. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, sharing everything that, you know, your journey has led you to and what you're doing today is so beautiful. And I, you know, when you talked about joy, you need to, your soul is the one that you need to listen to because your soul is the one saying, where's the joy? What are you doing? If, it, if that career that you were in that you thought you wanted to get into, if it's not bringing you the joy, it's your soul saying to you, you need to change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. You need to change. Yeah. Yeah. Learn, learn, learn. Yeah. Learn. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Follow the joy. <laughs> follow the joy. Exactly. Follow your joy, follow your heart and make that change. And friends, you know, it was what Zoe, she's shared a lot of gems today. And for the women out there is to truly get a coach and learn what you want to unravel and be the best version of you. So, you know, you truly want to make a difference in this world. And so where can people get in touch with you? Ah, my website. So will you list it on your, okay, yeah. Yes, we will in the show notes. Yes. Awesome. There's my website. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So Sohi Jun and I'm on Instagram as well. So the quickest and the easiest direct route is through my website. Through your website. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. That's so good. Well, everyone, you know, connect with Sohi right now and she's truly going to help you and women, women leaders, aspiring women leaders to really be the best version and be the best leaders why? Because so you can be the best leader for your organization and your team members. So we truly appreciate you and like and subscribe to our channel. Why? Because of our amazing guest. And we truly would appreciate your comments, your like, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. And my amazing guest today is Sohi Jun. And I want you to connect with her. So go right now, connect with her and how she can truly make a difference and really unravel so that you become the best leader in your team today. So stay tuned for more As The Experts podcast. We look forward to seeing you very soon. So bye for now, and we will see you soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. (laughs) Bye-bye.